with virtually limitless design options, Pella's like your personal barista for windows and doors. Customize your order by August 31st and you can bundle and save big at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Get started today at PellaWI.com. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Come join the conversation on the Old National Bank Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. Old National Bank. Get old. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So very glad to have you with us. A couple quick reminders. If you want to watch us do spoken word radio, you can do that now. All you have to do is go to WTMJ.com, click on the Watch Live button that you'll see, or also go to YouTube and you just... We have our own WTMJ YouTube channel, and you can watch us broadcast. In addition, there's the podcast. I know a lot of people take advantage of that. And then there's the regular listening. So no matter how much you find us, we appreciate it greatly. All right. The, there's lots of different stories to talk about today. But the one that I, I want to start with is the story that I admit goes right through me. The fact that this submersible um, that exists to visit underwater wreckages like the the titanic has now gone missing if you haven't been following this story um the, the titanic is about thirteen thousand feet down in the water and, and this is icy dark cold water there is a 22 foot like carbon I, I describe it as a submarine but it's really not it's carbon fiber and titanium it's called the titan and it's deployed from an expedition ship, ship called the MV Polar Prince. So what happens is the, the ship takes this out, and then they drop this submersible in, and it takes people down to look at the Titanic, nearly 13,000 feet down. And it's five people in a 22-foot craft, which is, a, again, it's carbon fiber, fiber and titanium. If you haven't been following the story, what's happened is this this craft has gone missing and there's a limited amount of air that is in there. They expect that the air will be run out by by Thursday at the latest, but they're, they're now looking for this. And the concern is that something has happened to it. It might be stuck on the bottom of the ocean. It might be. Yeah, again, something could have gone wrong with this. Something could have broken down and it's there. It could be caught on wreckage or something like that. I guess one of the other possibilities is it could have, um, you know, popped up like, like a cork and be floating somewhere in the ocean. But the ocean, I, I would describe, you know, if you've ever, if you've ever been out on the ocean, you have an idea of how huge that is and trying to find a 22 foot Craft that might be bobbing on the ocean um, is, again, needle in a haystack. But you, you've got that all going on. And, I mean, everybody's got their fingers crossed and hoping for the best. But this, it, it's, it is not good. And with every hour that goes by with no new news, that, that it, gets, it gets worse. I guess what's been the, the thing that jumps out at me about this, and that's what I wanted to start the program off with, the discussion, though, is – there are there are things that I understand why people do, but that I, I, I wouldn't do. 
And as I'm watching and I'm looking at the size of this, it's 22 feet. Okay, so just just imagine that. I mean, I'm six foot one, so three and a half of me. They've got five people put into this cylinder that is essentially three and a half of me. (laughs) And so people, I I think they're like sideways and things like that. You know, um, you're going to go down to the, the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. They describe this as just, you know, thousands of pounds of pressure that's going to be on the outside of it. And while I think it would be cool, I guess, to float around a wreck like the Titanic, you're way, way, way below sea level. And if something happens... Well, there's there's not a lot that people can necessarily do. I mean, you can't send divers down because this is way too deep for, for divers to try to do a rescue. There are, I guess, a limited number of ships that are available that come out and do deep sea rescues, but typically they move very, very slowly and they're way around the, they're way away from this particular area. And on top of all this, uh, you, you have to, nobody knows where this particular vessel is. Um, Sometimes, like submarines and stuff, have have homing signals that they send out. Nobody knows for sure whether this this vessel even has one of these homing beacons that that people could find. And and so it's very much up in the air. And you're thirteen thousand feet below sea level again with all this water and it's cold and all these sort of things. Our number is eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the old National Bank talk and text line. I I understand why, at least in theory, something like this might be cool. There is no way in God's green earth that you would get me into one of these vessels. There's just absolutely no way. Now, I understand there's some people who've done things like this in, in Hawaii where it goes 50 feet down and things like that. I don't think you could get me in one of these vessels for that. But there's no way you are getting me in a vessel that goes 13,000 feet below the ground. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do it. 855-616-1620. Is this something that you would do? Now, of course, people pay a ton of money to do this on top of that. But let's put that aside. If I had the money to afford to be able to do this, I'm sorry. I, I just... I wouldn't. This is something that has absolutely no appeal to me. Would you get in one of these submersibles? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620, which is the old National Bank talk and text line. All right. Would you get on, would you get on that submersible? And I'm just, I, I'm, I'm looking at the description of this and would it be kind of cool to, I guess, would it be more than kind of cool to circle around and, and see what the Titanic looks like? Yeah. Okay. I, I get it. I understand that appeal, but climbing into what is essentially a five person, well, slightly a lo- longer than a torpedo and going 13,000 feet below the ocean, knowing that pretty much if something goes wrong with this, you're, you're in a lot of trouble. And that appears to be what's happened. They don't know what's exactly happened. They don't know whether it's a mechanical failure. They don't know whether the thing might be stuck on the bottom or whatever. But, you know, you have a crisis situation. Everybody is praying for the best. But, you know, it's... As every hour goes by, it becomes more and more likely that this is not going to be a good situation. Jeff, I'd watch the submersible video, but I would not be on board. Jeff, you can see everything on video already, the whole ship wreck entirely. Um, I I don't like the water either. Well, yeah, and to me, it's not a question of not liking the water, but I, I like to... 
I don't know, I like to be sitting on the deck of a cruise ship looking at the water, or I like to be, you know, on a river cruise looking at the water, or I like to be sitting at a beach looking at the water. It's another thing to be, and it's not even accurate to describe this as a submarine. It's, and I would get claustrophobic in that situation. Jeff, never, never at all would I do this. Jeff, no, thank you. I would pay you for this and you couldn't pay me. No, no, thank you. I wouldn't pay for this and you couldn't pay me to do it. There are a couple of things I would not do. Sky diving, jumping out of anything higher than 20 feet into water, and definitely not going this deep in what could be a 20-foot long death trap. Jeff, no thanks. There are places the general public should not go. I believe that includes space and the bottom of the ocean. Um, to me, this is similar to running around naked in the Arctic. Huh, interesting. I thought maybe some people would be adventurous. Jeff, absolutely no way. I'll wait for the movie. I was able to take a tour of a commission sub in for repairs at Pearl Harbor with a fellow Packer fan who was stationed at Pearl Harbor and just met. Um, we wanted a behind-the-scenes tour. Those subs aren't meant for normal-size people. Um, no number of people are also saying no that they wouldn't go there and they also wouldn't go in an elon musk rocket well that's it jeff i agree with you no way for any price would i go into anything like the titan the submersible in the atlantic ocean ouch hope and pray they are found sooner than thursday did they each pay a quarter of a million dollars well i've seen i've seen that that's what they they charge people um whether these folks all paid it or not i i don't know 855-616-1620 Steve in Oak Creek. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Steve. Steve. Hello, yes. Hi, go ahead. No, I certainly I certainly wouldn't I would not get into one of those submersibles and I certainly wouldn't pay two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to do for. Uh to do so. I hope I hope they find the I hope they find the people, but it sound it's beginning to sound like more and more it's just gonna be a million dollar coffin bobbing around the ocean yeah and you i mean you know thanks for calling and, and you hate to say that you you know you're hoping for this miracle i was reading i was reading a description where was it here um usa today has a description of a, a guy who did this um he went diving in a submarine to see the titanic and he was um you know he says well he, he was one you know that that was in one of these tiny small sorts of things it was a a french submersible so it, it was a different one but he describes this he says he was lying laying in a small titanium cased cylinder with a crew for the duration of the trip 3 hours to get to and from the wreckage 6 hours near the ocean floor he wore 6 layers of clothes since the water temperature was near freezing at that depth water vapor from breathing condensed on the ceiling and would drip on the men he says well despite the uncomfortable conditions you know looking out of the porthole um was was worth it ah, i you know i sorry i'm i'm just i'm just not there on on that one and i appreciate it um there, there's just no question about it. Jeff, first, um, would I do that or go on a mission to Mars? No, but I think the adventuresome spirit in man pushes us to do things like that, um, some people to a higher degree than others. Um, well, I, I get it. I'm just going through. We're getting swamped with texts, and the answer is no, no, no. Not only wouldn't I pay a quarter million dollars, you couldn't pay me a million dollars to to do this. And, and again, I don't think of myself as being particularly claustrophobic but man this one i guess i just keep asking myself what what could possibly go wrong i mean you think of all the things that 
um, could go wrong, this is it. Um, Jeff, I would rather bungee jump from a hot air balloon. Um, don't think so. Let's talk to Mary and Hubertus. Mary, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. I just want to share an experience. First of all, no flipping way. <laughs> I'm going down that deep. Uh, many years ago, I had the opportunity to go on a dependence tour on the USS Groton nuclear submarine, U.S. Navy. Right. And we went out into the Atlantic from Groton, Connecticut. And it was wonderful. They fed us wonderful food. We got to tour the ship. We got to go do the periscope thing. And on our way back, we're all set to get back on land and see the surface. And we hit a fog bank. So we could not go back into port for like three and a half hours till the fog lifted. It was not fun. Everybody was anxiety-ridden and stressing out, but it was a wonderful experience. But I probably would never do it again. And you were on, and you were, and you, and you, Mary, were on a nuclear submarine, which is a completely different animal from a twenty-two-foot cylinder. Yeah. Correct, correct. But it's still very tiny spaces. Oh yeah, I I have never. I mean, it was like. Yeah. Yeah. I've been I have never I've never been out to sea on a submarine. I've taken a a tour of a submarine once or twice, just, you know, when it was in dock, just kind of like walking through it and going, oh, my gosh, you know, you people people are are out actually out for a long period of time in this. I don't I don't get it. it. It would not be that would not be my choice of something to do in the service. I know. But it was it was an experience I will never forget in my lifetime. As I grow older and older, I appreciate the experience. But had I not been that young and, you yeah. know, whatever, we were all young, I probably, I would not do it. It was yeah. freaky I, if the fog bank hadn't rolled in. Oh, yeah. No, th- thanks for the call. No, I just don't. If you ever, there, there's a movie, and I, I like it a lot. It's called Das Boot, and it came out a number of years ago, and it's it, it was made in Germany. So they, they have it with subtitles, but it's a German movie, and it, it focuses on a German submarine in World War Two, and it's it's encounters with with Allied ships and things like that. And it's just if you, I think it's one of the best naval warfare movies ever made. And forgetting the perspective that it's it's, I mean, these are these are German soldiers and stuff. It's told from that perspective, but you just get an incredible idea of how small those submarines are, how claustrophobic it is, and what it's like to be under the sea. It's it's just chilling. I cannot imagine. And that's a submarine. And this is not a submarine. This is a submersible. You know, a couple of people are saying the theory is maybe it got caught up in some of the wreckage of the Titanic. You know, I who, who knows exactly what's happened? And we're all hoping and praying for the best reaction. I'm just looking at this and saying, nope, um, this is you, this this would not be the evidence I need to tell me that I don't want to go down in it. You couldn't have gotten me this in this in the first place. Hopefully there will be some sort of miraculous recovery. It'll all have a happy ending. It'll lead to a movie of the week, and we'll all go watch it. I, I'm afraid that's not going to be the case, but wow, what a story. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Don't go. We're back. We talk a lot on this program about the, the 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 number of car chases that happen nowadays. You know, one one of the things, one of the disturbing trends around here and around other parts of the country is that 
you know, you have people driving stolen cars or you have people driving recklessly. And when the police try to pull them over, they take off. That that's the, That is sort of the default position. You have people running all the time. And when they run, it almost always leads to bad things happening. Maybe the person fleeing the cops runs into a tree and kills themselves. How many times have we had that happen in the last couple of days or a couple of weeks? Or alternatively, they run through a red light while they're fleeing the police and they hit somebody else. And, and one of the arguments that comes out from time to time is maybe we'd be better off not chasing. Maybe we should just let them go and try to catch them later on. Now, I don't happen to believe that. Also, there is this idea that, okay, if you just let a reckless driver go, well, they're going to suddenly stop driving recklessly. Well, here's a story that just proves that that's not the case. It comes from Minneapolis. Five friends, five women, all under the age of 21, were killed in a car crash Friday after a driver ran a red light and slammed into their vehicle. Moments before the crash, a Minnesota State Patrol trooper saw the speeding driver on Interstate 35, which is the big, you know, interstate highway there. Before the the driver could be caught, before they could even initiate a stop, the guy got off the highway. The vehicle then proceeded through a red light at the intersection, crashed into another vehicle occupied by four adult females and one juvenile female. This is 10 uh, o'clock at night, local time. The guy who then rams into the car, kills these five people, um, he gets out of the car and then that flees. And that's one of the unfortunate things that happens from time to time. You have these reckless drivers, they kill people in some other car and they get away. Five victims were pronounced dead at the scene, ages 20, 20, 19, 19, and 17. The five were out together last Friday night and had a friend's wedding on Saturday. Um, many of them had just either graduated from a local high school up there or we were in some of the local colleges. I mean, it's just it's just this terrible situation. But again, for anybody who thinks that, okay, maybe the cops shouldn't chase, maybe we shouldn't try to catch these people because the people that are driving recklessly are suddenly, you know, after they blow by the police officer at 95 miles an hour, that that means they're suddenly going to stop because, oh, hey, the police have just seen me. No, they're going to continue to do this. They're going to, in this case, run a red light and five people are dead. It's a horrible, horrible story. But again, it demonstrates that not chasing people, not trying to catch them, isn't going to make the roadways any safer. So, very glad to have you with us. All right. If you have tried to drive north and south from the city of Milwaukee anytime recently, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, what's the word I'm looking for that I can say on the radio? Ah, it's a nightmare. And and it's been this way, it seems, for forever. It, and, it, and it continues to get worse. You have road construction immediately outside of downtown moving on I-43. Then when you get between, like, Keefe and Capitol Drive, you have road construction. It, it's now down, the freeway is down to two lanes, and they're two narrow lanes. And then once you get north of Capitol Drive, you've got, again, two-lane roads. You've got construction. Sometimes it goes down to one lane. There's no, there's no shoulder. So if you have a disabled vehicle, um, you're, I mean, it's a real nightmare because there, there's nowhere for that car to go, at least in many steps. And that continues 
on and on and on up through Ozaki County. Here's the way the local newspaper reports this. Construction along I-43 won't be done anytime soon. Here's what you should know. You may have noticed that Interstate 43 has been congested more than usual this summer. Yes, that's because of the construction taking place on the highway between Glendale and Grafton, both on the northbound and the southbound sides of the highway. This has caused major backups during rush hour on weekends and many times in between. And then it talks about the different construction. It talks about, um, in total, it's about 15 miles between exits, given all the different exits that are closed. There's reconstruction happening at five interchanges. There's a new interchange being constructed. Um, parts of I-43 have been closed, even though two lanes remain open. But there's huge bottlenecks at many points going north and south. Some ramps to get on or off are also going to be closed, including at Good Hope Road and at Brown Deer Road. On top of that, on top of that, it's not just the construction for the, the freeway, but it seems like all the normal alternative routes, alternate routes, they are under construction as well. For example, normally if you would be trying to go north, one of the major alternative routes, alternate routes that you would get off on is you, you could use Port Washington Road. Well, good luck with that because Port Washington Road is being torn up as well as part of this. Sometimes you might think you'd want to get to Lake Drive. Well, okay, good luck with that because the main outlet that you'd get to Lake Drive from is Brown Deer Road. Brown Deer Road East is closed. It's essentially, and I grew up in that area, it is a patchwork of things. I mean, on a daily basis, you're trying to figure out okay, which is the the best way that I can snake through and figure out a a way to move? And here's here's the really scary thing about this. They're saying, and the DOT is saying, okay, we know it's bad, but we can't tell you when it is going to end um, except to say that construction is going to be expected for most, if not all, of 2023. So that means for the next six or seven months, at best, This stuff is going to continue to go on. And, of course, it's been going on for a year or two now. Now, I understand that we need to have road construction. I understand that roads need to be widened and things like that. What I think is aggravating about this is at the same time we are doing the construction on the freeway, you know, the the major north-south route, we've also decided to think that it's going to be smart to do major construction on many of the alternate routes as well. So there's really nowhere for people to go. And for people who live, again, in in northern communities, there's also, I mean, major road construction that is going on in in Mequon around Brown, around uh, Mequon Road and uh, Highway 57, Green Bay Road. So that's got east-west traffic, you know, backed up as well. And it's just an ongoing nightmare that, in many cases, takes what would be, well, for me, it's a 20-minute commute that's turned that 20-minute commute into, at best, 45 or 50 minutes, and at worst, an hour and 10 minutes if you happen to get stuck on the freeway at the wrong time because there's been an accident or something in the wrong place. 855-616-1620. That is the old National Bank talk and text line. I guess my frustration is not that we're having the construction done, but that everything is being done at once, as opposed to saying, okay, let's finish one part of a project before we start, you know, also tearing up the alternative route 
or if we've got an alternate route that needs to be redone, Port Washington Road, for example, fine, why don't we finish that before we tear up the freeway there? 855-616-1620, has your commute been dramatically affected? And I understand maybe if you live in Pewaukee or something, you're not sympathetic to this because... You know, people had to live with the the zoo interchange construction for the longest period of time. But if you're used to one of the appeals of living in the North Shore has always been the commute was more manageable. Well, not not right now and not for the foreseeable future. How bad is it? 855-616-1620. We discuss in just a moment. Yes, it is just as bad as you think. One of our texters says, Jeff, here's my question. Who is liable if emergency services can't get through because everything is blocked by traffic? Well, the answer is, you know, nobody, nobody is liable, but that's, that is one of the ongoing problems, which is if, if there is, if there is an accident, if there is a collision of some sort, depending on where you are in all this construction, getting access to it is almost impossible because, again, there's no shoulders to pull the cars over on. There's no shoulders that the emergency vehicles can travel up in many cases to get to the vehicles. And it's not the whole way for 20 miles, but it's that way for a good chunk of miles. And in addition, again, with all the, the access routes, the alternate routes, with them torn up as well, it becomes just a, a situation where you're just kind of waiting for that bad thing to happen um it's just it jeff now one of our texters says i think people just like to complain if the roads aren't fixed people will complain about potholes and stuff but okay that misses the point it's not a complaint about roads being fixed it is a criticism and a complaint about everything being done at once and no orderly planning the the idea that here we're going to tear up the major the major side roads. We're going to tear up the major road as opposed to having a systematic idea of here. We're going to fix the freeway. Great. We'll fix the freeway. But while we're fixing the freeway, while we're expanding it, while we're doing any of that, we're going to have the alternate roads that are going to be available for people to take so that they can again be able to get where they're going in a reasonable period of time. But that's not what we've done. We're tearing up all the alternate routes as well um there's no question uh, about this problem um let's see jeff calling travel through all the road destruction bad is an insult to being is an insult to bad yeah jeff shorewood resident here don't forget that they are running one year behind on replacing humboldt boulevard which was right by our old studios in capitol drive this is another alternative uh, no-go route. It's absolutely insane, and it seems like there's no one who's accountable for the poor planning and execution of any of this. Yeah, that's one of the underlying issues that goes on. And I guess the frustrating thing is um, there, there is there is no answer. There's no good answer for this. There's just no answer. It is what it is. People are working on it, but they have no idea when this is going to be completed. So the bottom line is everybody says, hey, it's going to be wonderful when it's finished. Well, okay, but it's not going to be finished for a long, long time. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We are going to be discussing the uh, Juneteenth Day shootings um 
in the one o'clock hour of the program. I know a lot of people want to talk about that. It's just I, I kind of label this as it's another reason why people can't have nice things. Uh, generally speaking, a a wonderful event celebrating you know Juneteenth Day marred by just more stupid violence which again raises this question for some people who say, well, why don't more people go to these events and things like that? It's because of the stupid stuff that happens at these events. And again, it's it's out of control teenagers getting into fights, two people with guns, a 19-year-old and a 17-year-old who pull out the guns and start shooting, and then you know, you're know you off to the races. We'll talk more about that in uh, a few minutes in the one o'clock hour of the program. Here, here's one, one of the things that I have noticed when it comes to crime, particularly like retail theft, that, that tends to get downplayed. You know, a lot of times people say, well, you know, we've got all these serious problems around, so we shouldn't worry about shoplifting. You know, who who cares about that? Well, the reason we should care about shoplifting is the fact that it impacts everybody. You know, the, the Walmart on, on Silver Spring closes. Why did it close? It closed because of an unreasonable level of shrinkage, which is just a fancy way of saying they were getting robbed blind. And, you know, Walmart has, for example, very strict guidelines. And if they, you know, if stores aren't producing at a certain level, they end up getting closed. So there's lots of reasons why stores could be not producing at a certain level. You know, maybe the population just isn't going to Walmart, or that rarely happens. But most of the time, it's because there's just so much theft that is going on that it eats into the profit margins and ends up making the stores non-profitable. And, and that's just a huge problem that you have over and over and over again. And one of the things that's been incredibly frustrating is that the, the word is out. I mean, people know that, generally speaking, you can go in, you can steal stuff, and you're not going to be stopped, and you're probably nothing bad is going to happen to you. About a week or so ago, we did a topic involving a, a Lululemon store outside of Atlanta, and you had these three shop. Lululemon is, you know, think Tommy. Think if you're not familiar with that, think Tommy Bahamas. I mean, it's a high-end sort of clothing store, and the clothes are all out on racks, and the clothes are like stacked on shelves and stuff. And you have three guys, you know, wearing hoodies and ski masks, who bum rush the store and start just grabbing as much of the merchandise as they can hold. And in this case, you know, you're you're grabbing you're grabbing shirts that are probably over a hundred dollars a piece and things like that. And they're just brazenly in the middle of the day walking through the store, stealing as much stuff as they can have. And you have two of the store employees, two ladies, who come up and, and they just they kind of get in the face of the thieves. They get out of here. Stop doing this. You know, kind of like your mother would do if she caught you doing something wrong. Well what happens is the um the two women who are working at the store, they end up getting fired. Store says, well, our policy is just to go in and not do anything, you know, let people steal, don't engage at all. And you, you wonder why these stores just get robbed blind because the bad guys, the thieves, they know that they can get away with this. Well, here's the latest story. Oak Creek. Oak Creek, the police say they need your help to identify two men who stole bottles of alcohol from a Shell gas station near 13th and Rawson last Friday. Now, this particular gas station is right by the freeway, and whether it's a gas station or a convenience store or a bank, businesses right by the freeway are always prime targets for thieves. 
Why? Because it's easy to make the getaway. You know, if you're talking about, I don't know, a store in the in the, the heart of the city, it's not to say that somebody's not going to rob it, but it's tougher to it's tougher to make the getaway. But if you have immediate or close access to like getting on the freeway, you know, chances are it's more likely to do it. So here's um here's apparently what happened. Ten forty five AM. Ten forty five AM last Friday. Two guys wearing surgical masks and hoodies, come into the store. They enter the store, and there's a surveillance video out that shows this. They enter the store. They jump into the restricted area behind the clerk. You know, that's the area that, that has all the liquor. You know, so they, they jump behind the clerk. Um, they do it very, very quickly. They steal hundreds of dollars worth of alcohol. But on top of that, there's a 52-year-old woman who's working the, the counter. They attack her. One of the males pushes her down violently, so, you know, she goes down. So the clerk is attacked. Um, they they grab the liquor, and they end up, you know, running out, and they take off. And like I say, this particular location and this area is no stranger to robberies or burglaries because there's the ease of access to, 90, to I-94. But you, you have these guys who are doing this thieving and doing the stealing and attacking and assaulting the clerk. Now, the thing that's really interesting about this, and the police are acknowledging it, and it's a scary thing, is this is in all likelihood not their first time at the rodeo uh, because I don't think you wake up one day and say, hey, today's the day I'm going to put on my surgical mask and my hoodie and I'm going to go assault a 52-year-old female clerk at a gas station and steal as much stuff as I can possibly have. So the guess as I can carry. So my guess is that this is the type of stuff that has been going on a, a lot. Jeff, one of our texters, say this has happened twice now at the Coles in Delavan. Yes, I mean, there's no question. This this is the recurring pattern. Why does it happen? Well, it happens because there's bad people out there that are willing to make this happen. But also, on top of it, it happens because those bad people know that in all likelihood, they're not going to be held accountable for the stuff they do. They're not afraid of the consequences. They think that they can get away. They think that even if we don't get away, well, you know, what's what's the big deal? We didn't shoot anybody. All we did is push a 52-year-old clerk to the ground and steal a bunch of liquor. Nobody's going to come after us for that. And unfortunately, that's the attitude that encourages people to go out and do this over and over and over again. Now, the Oak Creek police correctly are saying that they're very, very concerned about this because it's not just a shoplifting case, but it is the assault of the, the clerk. But it's a big deal because every time every time you have one of these shoplifting cases, every time you have the people wearing the masks and the hoodies that come in and decide to loot a store, there is the potential that this violence is going to occur. And that's why you, you can't just ignore it. You can't treat this as, oh, this is kind of a harmless sort of thing, or the store has insurance or whatever. It is a not a victimless crime. It's a crime against all of us, and it needs to be a priority, period. Okay, when we come back, we're going to talk about something special that WTMJ is doing, and then we're going to discuss what happened yesterday at the Juneteenth Day Parade. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. So delighted to have you with us. 
Um, over the last several years, this radio station has been involved in, in a number of events out in the community. We, we call them WTMJ Cares, and they're, they're always different. Sometimes we're, we're raising money for, for causes, and I've always been just blown away with how generous you are when we have these different causes. The latest WTMJ Cares event and movement, it's it, it's different. We're, we're asking you for something, but we're not asking you for money. And it's a very, very interesting event. It's going to be happening next week. And we're um, actually the person spearheading it is the person who joins me in the studio right now, Sandy Max from Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? I am well, thank you. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the WTMJ Cares event that you have coming up next week. I'm excited, and I invite you and everyone listening to join us. We uh, are partnering with the American Red Cross and Gruber Law Offices for a three-day blood drive at the Milwaukee County Zoo. Because you've heard in the news headlines, we are experiencing a blood shortage, which doesn't matter if you don't need blood, but guess what? We all do. It's part of our essential health, and there are people who need blood, whether they're in a traumatic situation or an emergency, but blood is a part of cancer treatments, part of giving birth, part of all sorts of regular treatments that people need to stay alive. And if you donate one pint of blood, just one, you could save up to three lives. Very, very cool. So we are, you are, making it extremely easy for people to do this and actually maybe even fun as well. So let's talk a little bit about that. We're trying to. Well, first of all, it's at the zoo. When's the last time you were at the zoo? Um, been a, been a couple of years, but I we used to go to like uh, I don't they zoo a la carte, yeah. whatever the the, the I'm not sure whatever music, they call yes. that now, but yes. yeah. Oh, I I love the zoo, love the penguins, a little bit smelly, you know, love the polar bears. <laughs> no, no, no. I it it is a world class zoo and it's a lot of fun. So here's an excuse to get to the zoo because if you schedule a donation during Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday between nine and three next week, you will be doing a good deed and you'll get free same day admission to the zoo, free parking. Plus, a bonus to make the most of your summer, a free pair of Summerfest tickets. All as thank yous, just for taking about an hour of your time, answer some questions about your health, lay down, stretch out your arm, relax. Within an hour, you have done a great deed, and we'll treat you with some uh, with these tickets. Well, well, plus like juice and cookies That's and things like that say. as well, right? Treats afterwards, yeah. I love my uh, juice and cookies and water and raisins if you want to stay that that sheerly healthy route, but they do give you cookies. Now you do need. <laughs> well, that, that's good. You do need to make an appointment for this, right? That is the best way to do it. Yes. Um, so that way they are ready for you. And these nurses, I've donated blood regularly for the past few years. Right. If you are uh, have any apprehensions about doing this, don't, because these are nurses who are welcoming you and are in a great rhythm. Know how to find that vein. Tap you and get you out and uh, with a smile with the treats. Uh, but go to WTMJ.com. We have right. a WTMJ care section and you're one click away to schedule your appointment very conveniently, very easy. They make it really simple for you. Uh, even better, though, if you text blood to That's our the own. Word. Sh- yeah. you, you don't have to send us actual blood. Just text <laughs> the word. No, right. Just, just text the word B-L-O-D. To O-O-D. Eight, B-L-O-O-D. Blood. Yeah. <laughs> B-L-O-O-D. Blood to 855-616-1620. And we'll we'll send you a, a, link a link directly to your smartphone, and you can take it from there. You're just a couple of touches away. Right now, we have 22 appointments open for Monday, 50 appointments available for Tuesday, and 83 appointments available for Wednesday. So you can pick and choose your time on Wednesday for sure. But uh, we would love to book up all these appointments. You realize that's 100 people per day for three days. Mm-hmm. That is possibly 900 lives 
of people who crucially need blood for whether it's a cancer treatment or giving birth or in a terrible accident that no one expects you really do make a difference in someone's life now, i told you this off the air hmm. my, my wife um, wants to come out, and she said, okay, I, I want to go out to the zoo. As a matter of fact, I know she's listening now because she said, okay, what's that number to text, and what do I text? So, Fran, it's the word blood, B-L-O-O-D. But um, she wanted to say, I, I want to see Sandy Max. So you are actually Aww. going to be out there. I will. Physically, uh, at least some of the times. Every day I will be there. I won't be there the whole time. Sure. Because I'm on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. I got a ski daddle back here. But uh, Monday I will be donating at 1145. Right. And there's another WTMJ fan who's already told me that she's very excited to donate at 11. So I'll for sure be there in the morning. I also right. want to do a video because I'm a bit squeamish, number one. Number two, I have low blood pressure. So I have some tips for... How to shake your legs, keep your circulation going, like really how to make the most and of a relaxing, good deed experience. So I will definitely be there on Monday from about 11 till 1.30. Tuesday, I'll be out there in the morning at the zoo to welcome people and thank them for donating. And Wednesday morning, I will be at the Milwaukee County Zoo. So please join us for this three-day blood drive, partnering with the American Red Cross. They do such good work. And Gruber Law Office's longtime partner of WTMJ. Text the word blood. We want to make it easy and convenient for you. And we have a number of our listeners who are doing exactly that as you Wonderful. and I are speaking. So it's working out. And just, you know, for people who might be squeamish who've never given blood, my, my best my best example is when I was in college, mm-hmm. I dated this woman who was studying to be a medical technologist. And I it, I thought it was love. It, it didn't turn out to be. But I, I let her practice on me. I mean, <gasps> she would, I, I, I mean, so if I can do it. You know, anybody can can do it. So, I mean, it. she'd practice finding the veins. It's completely and totally painless. And it's, uh, you know, when, I, I still don't look. I mean, whenever I give blood, I kind of look, uh, look I do. away. I never look. I, yep. I, but but it's just, yeah, it, it's a natural process. And it and it is so very, very valuable. And it's, we've been talking about on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. And John Mercure is very excited that it's good for your own health. If you regularly donate blood, there are many different benefits that I won't list out now. But they do... By donating blood regularly, you can lower your blood pressure, you can reduce your risk of heart attack, you can improve your liver's function, you can even prevent four different types of cancers by donating blood regularly. So if you have never, ever donated blood, jump in and join us next Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday, or Tuesday. I'm getting the days reversed. Uh, Next Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, uh, or like I've been chatting with John McCure and Greg Matzik, they have donated in the past, they just haven't because they've gotten busy. Right, And we've talked to Dr. Ben Weston and other folks, uh, Mark Thomas, the CEO, the regional CEO of American Red Cross, and they say, just honestly, people get busy. So please make time, I'm asking you. And and that's the other reason people don't donate. The top reason, nobody asks them. Right, well, there you go. And, of course, we're making this easy. It's at the Milwaukee County Zoo. Like Sandy was saying, it's Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. If you schedule an appointment, free admission to the zoo, so Mm -hmm. you can wander around afterwards. You'll get the cookies and the orange juice as well. And on top of that, as a way of saying thank you, they'll give you two tickets to Summerfest, which starts this Thursday and will run for the next three weekends. The easiest way to do it, again, just pull out that smartphone, text the word BLOOD, B-L-O-O-D, to 855-616-1620, and you'll get a link direct sent directly to your smartphone. Otherwise, if you just go to WTMJ.com, we've got a link that you can hook WTMJ up as well. WTMJ Care section right there. Absolutely. And um, it, it's just a wonderful event. We're trying to get lots and lots of people to go out because this is one of these occasions where, you know, we're not asking you for money, but we are asking you for blood. Exactly. Isn't that funny? What do you want? And I also am a big fan of, like, I won't ask you to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. 
So I truly believe in this making a difference for your community. And you never know when you're going to be in that need. And if, if you had a need and there was a blood shortage, oh, the stress and anguish that you would be right. in and your family and your loved ones would be in. So please make a big difference during this blood shortage and do a good deed. Roll up your sleeve and join us at the Milwaukee County Zoo next Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Absolutely. Do what uh, over a dozen people have done already just in the last couple minutes. Text the word blood to 855-616-1620. Sandy, thanks so much for what you're doing and best of luck with this. And we'll try to encourage and remind people to, to come out and make these donations Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Schedule an appointment because it makes it easier. I love the fact that I'll get to meet Fran on one of these days. So she, thank she, her she says for her she's coming out. Well, she says she's coming out Monday. So, um, and, and she's a force of nature. There's no question about it. I'm excited. It. <laughs> That's thank it. you so much. And I look forward to uh, meeting more WTMJ fans at the zoo next week. That's it. That's Sandy Max. That's WTMJ Cares, sponsored by um, the American Red Cross, Gruber Law Offices. Check it out. When we come back, okay, let's talk about the elephant in the room. What happened yesterday at the Juneteenth Day or immediately after the Juneteenth Day celebration? So very glad to have you with us. Somebody texted in. Is it possible Good Karma Brands makes money from this? I guess I wasn't. We're talking about the the blood drive that Sandy's doing. I and I, I wasn't sure exactly how to answer that other than to simply say, I, I don't know how. I guess part of me was thinking, you know, you, you try to do something good for the community, and there's always people out there. Oh, there must be some ulterior motive. No, we we have been doing these WTMJ Cares events for, for years. And what happens is um, there are there are causes that are near and dear to the hosts of of the voices that you hear, the hosts of the shows, voices you hear on the station, and um, there's a lot of here. You know, pick pick an event. I mean, I did one. Um, my, my late wife passed away as a result of cancer a few years back, and you know, we we did something in connection with Freightert and um, to try to get people cancer screenings. And this is it's it's a similar sort of thing. This is with blood. So no, I it's. <laughs> I, I, there, there's not a financial interest in this. This is, let's try to help the American Red Cross, for goodness sakes. Okay. Uh, yesterday was Juneteenth Day, and there were celebrations all across the country. Milwaukee's celebration is getting attention, and, and not good attention, because at the end of the event, um, you had six teenagers, including four minors, who were shot and wounded Monday afternoon, shortly after the Juneteenth Day celebration was wrapping up. Shooting happened about 4.20 p.m. directly outside the Greater Philadelphia Church of Christ. Um, the way the Journal Sentinel describes it is the victims were four girls, ages 14, 16, 17, and 18, and two boys who are 17 and 19. They believe that the 17- and 19-year-olds are, are shooters, certainly the 17-year-old. There, there's still photos and there's videos of this. What happened is you um, have, and it's, it's very, in some respects, it's eerily similar to what happened a week ago at the church festival in Brookfield uh, in the Midway, where you had a bunch of kids, um, in, starting with, with girls, females, who get into uh, these knockdown, drag out, hair pulling fights, and then other people pile in and get involved. So, uh, according to a lot of the reports, 
Um, This happened. It started as a fight between two young women. And so we know that these are are teenagers. And then um, what happens is the fight starts to escalate. Other women get involved. um, And then you've got one or two, the 17-year-old for certain, because there's a picture of him pulling a gun out of his waistband and a a 19-year-old as well. And and people start shooting. Um, There's a video. You see a teenage girl. Um, who had suffered a gunshot in in the neck, um, then good news is that none of these shootings were, were fatal. I mean, but but six people six people got shot. And as we talk about on this program all the time, when when somebody pulls out a gun and starts shooting, it is but for the grace of God, poor aim and or um, it advances in, in medical science and emergency medical technology that people are able to survive this. Because anytime somebody is shot, there is at least a decent chance that they're going to end up dead. So the good news here is that nobody ended up dead. The bad news is this wonderful event is tarnished by the fact that you had six people who ended up being um, shot. They also say, and this is what the um, at least witnesses say, Prior to the shooting, prior to the shooting around 420, um, volunteers and others had been breaking up fights for maybe an hour to an hour and a half. So you had, well, again, the, the shooting is what is getting all the attention. You had fights that were breaking out as well, primarily, again, between young people who have the impulse control, I guess, of, of a fruit fly and who have decided, hey, we're going to take this wonderful celebration and we're going to use this as an excuse to you know, get into fights. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the old National Bank talk and text line. You know, when I was listening to and watching the reports of this yesterday, my, my initial reaction was this, this, this once again demonstrates why people can't have nice things. You have all the, these volunteers who put all this time into staging that this, this wonderful event celebrating Juneteenth Day. You have all the people that marched in the parade. You have the vendors that came down. And the big takeaway, at least nationally, is going to be, all right, you have out-of-control teenagers who've decided that the way they're going to resolve whatever differences they have is to get into major brawls and pull out guns and start shooting. 855-616-1620. That is the old National Bank talk and text line. Is there an answer to this? And I ask this question sincerely because you have the incident that happens at the church festival. You have a fight that breaks out. In that case, you had police officers that were injured trying to break up the fight. Here you have a bunch of teenagers, teenage girls, just like the fight at the uh, church festival, teenage girls getting into this knockdown, drag-out fight. Other people get involved, and then people start pulling out guns and start shooting. And again, it's but for the grace of God that nobody's dead. But is this is this just the new normal? Is there anything that anybody can do when you have people who decide we're going to come to an event like this, and we're going to come for the purpose of causing trouble? Or... We are not going to run from trouble. We're going to run to it, and we're going to get into a fight, and we're going to get into a brawl, and then we're going to pull out our guns that we're carrying at the age of 17 and try to settle it, 855-616-1620. And for people who wonder why other people don't go to certain events, 
Well, it's because of exactly this kind of stuff. You're afraid that you're going to go to one of these festivals and then shooting is going to break out. And that is particularly, I think, a fear that some people have when you're at some of these events that unlike Summerfest or State Fair, where you have to pay to get in and there's some degree of security that you have to pass through, unfortunately for these street festivals, these parades and things like that, there, there's no, it's just anybody, you can walk up, anybody can be carrying guns. Is is there anything we can do to stop this? 855-616-1620, we discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620, John on the north side. John, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. All right, here we go. Uh, they got a lot of nerves to shoot when the mayor and all those cops there, man, the, the chief of police. Man, if I was going to shoot, it certainly wouldn't be when all them was around there. I, I don't understand. It is so stupid, and, and we too much too busy worried about what society because I think that the mayor and all them should take over this city and do something about this. I mean, if it takes locking people up, do it. You can't worry about, oh, well, they're black, you know, they're this and they that. No, uh, there's white people that's doing things, too. But it's, it's a shame that we can't go to no place where there's a multitude of, of, of people without somebody having a gun. I mean, start to search them. Start to um, uh, have some, some type of gun where, uh, where you can detect the gun. Yeah. Something's got to be done about this, man, and, and it's up to the city to do that. Well, thank, thanks for calling, John. Well, the problem, you know, the problem with, like, street festivals, like Juneteenth Day, unlike, okay, Summerfest, there's controlled entry, there's controlled exit. You, you've got to pass through gates. They've got metal detectors and things like that. Same thing is true with, like, State Fair. So there's at least some way to regulate. But when you've got a street festival, you know, and anybody can just show up, the scary thing to me is that you have, first of all, you, you have all the, these teenagers, and a lot of times it's teenage girls that end up in these just major brawls. I mean, that, 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 that's their answer. But then that you've got, in this case, they think, I'm, I'm looking at one of these videos, you've got a 17 year old who's got a gun in his waistband. And the 17 year old, he decides he's going to pull out this gun and start shooting. I would be fascinated to know whether this was the 17 year old's first time at the rodeo. Now, I don't know that we're ever going to find out. Because in Wisconsin, you know, juvenile records are are kept sealed. So you can't find this type of stuff out. But again, as I frequently say, my, who, who decides, hey, all right, it, it's a Juneteenth Day celebration. What am I going to do? I'm going to take my piece. I'm going to stick it in my pants and I'm going to carry it and be prepared to use it. That tells me that it probably wasn't the first time that this kid had taken that gun somewhere. And what is a 17-year-old doing with a gun in the first place? And what are we going to do to discourage people like this, 17-year-olds, from wandering around carrying guns at public events like this? We continue the conversation in just a moment. Right now, though, WTMJ breaking news time. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the old National Bank talk and text line. See, there, there's all sorts of there's all sorts of interesting questions that that come from this, and and look, there's violence all over. There, there's no question about it. But it does appear that at least among young people with gun violence, it appears to be, I think, worse 
in the, the city of Milwaukee. I mean, you have the, I kept thinking back a couple of years ago to the story of the kid that takes the gun into um, Mayfair Mall and he's riding down the escalator and he pulls out the gun and starts shooting. And then there's, of course, this push to try to treat him as a juvenile. That ultimately didn't work. So, so yesterday you have this wonderful Juneteenth Day festival and uh, apparently everything is going well towards the end of the day. Things start to go sideways. Apparently, lots of fights breaking out. But okay, there, there are fights that break out. But it culminates around 4:20, where you have a couple girls that get into this knockdown, dragout fight, and suddenly shots get fired. A 17-year-old. There's a video of the 17-year-old with a gun in his waistband, who apparently pulls it out and starts shooting. Six people are shot, including the 17-year-old, a 19-year-old guy, and four teenage girls, including some of the ones I believe that were involved in. In the fight, but you're just shooting indiscriminately. And I think the question is, why is it? How have we gotten to this point where this this is acceptable um, for for kids? That this idea, and again, I, I don't mean to sound like this old dinosaur here, but it would never have occurred to me at the age of 17 that I'm going to stick a loaded gun in my waistband and go to a parade or a festival and then pull it out and start shooting at people once a, a fight breaks out. Have I been in places where fights have broken out? Absolutely. But the, now the resolution, the end point is here. I'm just going to pull out a gun and I'm going to start shooting. One of our texters makes a very interesting point. Jeff, how do you do anything about this when you have a whole generation that has no regard for life? That's what it seems like to me. Well, I don't know if it's fair to say there's an entire generation that's got no regard for life, but there's sure a lot of people of at least, you know, a certain generation, a lot of teenagers now, particularly teenagers in urban areas, who have no regard for life. And that's the only way you can say and explain why a 17-year-old pulls out a gun at a festival and starts shooting. Let's talk to Ken and Franklin. Ken, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Ken. Um, you know, I listen to you. Anybody over 25 probably listens to you, majority-wise. But these kids do not watch the news. They do not hear what happens. They're they're just driving around. They they don't. All they they're, they're used to is uh, social media, and the parents have to go check to see if they have a gun. Um, we can't do it. You know, the mayor, the the chief of police can say whatever they want. They're never going to hear this. But but they're not going to read a newspaper. But but can how did it get to be? an acceptable thing to, to okay, I'm going to take a loaded gun at the age of 17 to a festival, and then I'm going to just pull it out, I'm going to start shooting indiscriminately. I mean, when when did that become the new normal, and who thinks like that, social media or not? I mean, don't, you realize, don't people realize that when you pull out a gun and start shooting, you could very well end up killing four or five, six people? Actually, no. Yeah. Um, my nickname is Superman. I grew up in the 60s, but I watched reruns of The Adventures of Superman, and people call me Soup. He was my hero, and I watched it for 24 minutes a week. These kids are on video games, shooting people, stealing cars. Yeah. It, it gets in their head, and uh, yeah. they don't... No. The next day, the people they shot yesterday are back up on the screen. Yeah. No, thanks. Well, I mean, that, it will be interesting to see 
And again, for for better or worse, and I would argue it's the it's worse in Wisconsin. We we protect juveniles. We don't make that public. Now, my guess is the 17 year old that opened fire will be charged as an adult. He certainly should be charged as an adult. But we're we're never going to know what his record was, or it's very unlikely that we're going to find out what his record was before he started shooting. And I I, I mean, could be wrong, but my guess is, and my bet would be that you know there's. There were previous contacts with the law. But to me, it's this larger thing about this complete just disregard. And, and maybe it, maybe it's a lack of parenting, but maybe it's the gang culture. I mean, you know, pe- people always ask me, I mean, what, what are some of the keys to success? And in some cases, it, it's not that hard. I mean, stay in school. Um, if you're female, don't get yourself pregnant, you know, at a, at a young age. Stay out of gangs. Stay away from guns. I mean, it, it's there's a couple lessons if you're looking for at least, you know, chances for to do well in life. There, there's, you know, I mean, look, I understand it's harder for some people to, to get through life than others. But again, you know, stay in school. Don't carry guns. Stay out of gangs. Don't get pregnant or don't get people pregnant. You know, all those sorts of things. It's not really that hard, you know, but I guess maybe for 14 or 15 or 16 year olds, particularly if there's um, if their parents have violated those different rules and then that's just the next generation and that becomes the new normal. But this, this cannot be an acceptable sort of thing because, again, Wonderful event that's marred by this. And I'm getting all sorts of texts that I've chosen not to read in particular, but people are saying this is just another reason why I'm not going to go down to Milwaukee to attend these different types of events. And remember, this is why X event got canceled, and that's why Y event got canceled. Now, what you have to keep in mind is, again, somebody's saying, well, I'm not sure I want to come down to Summerfest. Well, okay, Summerfest is different. Again, it's there's there's security that you have to pass through the chances of getting a gun into the Summerfest grounds are much less than being able to get the gun into an, an open you know open air street festival but it is an issue there's no question about it wherever you go you never know when you've got that out of control teenager with no impulse control at all whose resolution of hey my girlfriend's in a fight or somebody disrespected me or whatever boom I'm going to pull out my piece and start shooting and I don't care who I shoot and that's just the reality of where we are nowadays. And it's not a pretty picture. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Don't go anywhere. Jeff Wagner is back right after this. There seem to be a lot of mergers and acquisitions in the insurance business. To share some knowledge about the impact, I'm talking with Jeff Salasinski, VP of Insurance Operations at R&R Insurance. Hi, Vince. Have you heard from your insurance agent recently? Did they take time to personally discuss your most recent renewal or the changes impacting your business? It may just be poor service, or it may be because they've been acquired or sold. The insurance market's too dynamic and too complex today to allow the uncertainty associated with mergers and acquisitions to put your business at risk. Being stable during uncertain times is a valuable asset. If 48 years of stability, local family ownership, and deep industry knowledge are important to you, you need to learn more about R&R Insurance. So, Jeff, what's the solution? As a business insurance top 100 agency, R&R Insurance will be focused on you, the client, and not the progress and payout of an acquisition. At R&R Insurance, we know business insurance. That's Jeff from R&R Insurance. Thanks for the great info, Jeff. Legend has it, Spanish conquistador Ponce de Leon searched for the legendary fountain of youth. This wellspring had the power to restore new life to anyone who drank from it. 
poor Ponce chased this miracle from Florida to Bimini and back without any success. Eric Smith here, and yes, the secret to a longer life can be, well, elusive. Unless that is, you know exactly where to look. When it comes to your home's air conditioner, the gurus at Austin Plumbing, Heating, and Air hold the secret treasure map. The magic here is in training and expertise. We won't bang on your AC with a broom, tell you everything's hunky-dory, and then take your money. Instead, we'll take your machine apart, examine it, lubricate it, restore it back to factory specifications. Basically, explore ways your air conditioner can be more energy efficient so you can experience worry-free, cool comfort all summer. In the quest for your air conditioner's fountain of youth, book a revitalizing tune-up from Austin Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Online at TeamAustin.com. The new Raid Essentials Light Trap uses light to attract, then trap, flying insects like fruit flies and mosquitoes. For insecticide protection that's people and pet friendly, get new Raid Essential Light Trap. Wisconsin's own Gruber Law Offices. One call, that's all. Acunet Mortgage is an equalizing letter. NMLS ID 255-368. Winning isn't everything. It's the only thing. I always thought Vince Lombardi came up with that famous sports nugget, but it turns out he borrowed it from a college coach. And now I'm going to borrow it too, because when there are 10 or 20 offers on a property, there's only one winner. In today's inventory-starved real estate market, you need a Lombardi-level mortgage coach, one who has all the best plays in the playbook. Going with your bank for your pre-approval is like playing in a professional playoff game with the JV coach at the helm. The Lombardi-level coaches at Acunet are called Senior Loan Consultants, and each one has been trained by me to help you and your real estate agent work as one team to deliver the one and only thing that matters, winning. So if you've been losing with your flimsy bank pre-approval, trade up today to a rock-solid guaranteed pre-approval and a Lombardi-level game plan. And if you're just getting started, why not start with the best? Click on the blue button today and get started with your winning game plan at accunet.com. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Well, we are absolutely swamped with texts, people reacting to this. And but here, here's here, more than I can possibly read. But here's one. Um, Jeff, many judges say that we can't hold juveniles because of the lack of space. If we're short of space capacity, then why are we building a new, very expensive juvenile facility that is way too small? That, of course, is the $64 million question. And we've talked about this before, and we'll undoubtedly talk about it again. So the the idea is we want to close Lincoln Hills. We're going to close Lincoln Hills, which is the, you know, the juvenile correctional facility. They call it something different than that. It's kind of like... Because we want to feel good about ourselves, we don't call the House of Correction the House of Correction anymore. We call it the Community Reintegration Center or whatever. It's like, oh, because we don't want people that have committed crimes and are going to jail. We don't want them to feel guilty about going to jail. Nuts to that. We should want them to feel guilty. But anyhow, so in we're, we're closing Lincoln Hills, so we're going to spend tens of millions of dollars. Every time I turn around, the cost goes up to build this new juvenile correctional facility closer to what's going to be in Milwaukee County, the idea being that so since most of the juveniles who commit crimes that get sent to the correctional facility come from Milwaukee, we want it to be closer so their family can visit and things like that. I'm okay. That, that's that's fine. I get it. But the idea that we're going to build the facility that's got like 32 beds in it is just nuts. I mean, you should be building a facility that has 300 beds in it because then what you do – now, again, I don't know the 17-year-old who started shooting yesterday. Don't know if this was the first time at the rodeo or not, but if it wasn't, 
chances are whatever was done to him didn't teach him any sort of consequences at all. And somewhere along the line, he lost sight of the fact or was never told the fact that, hey, maybe you shouldn't take a gun to a festival and maybe you shouldn't start shooting at people. Ah, Just saying. All right. The breaking news story of the day is that Hunter Biden has reached a tentative plea agreement with federal prosecutors. And this is something that, um, well, I suspect people aren't necessarily going to be happy about. Here's the deal. He will plead guilty to two misdemeanor tax crimes and admit to the facts of a gun charge, but he's going to get deferred prosecution on the gun charge, which means um, the way deferred prosecutions work is you uh, essentially acknowledge the, the facts of them, but then the case is held open. So if you don't screw up within a certain period of time, it, it just gets it gets no uh, no processed. OK, so here's the deal. If you haven't been following this papers filed in federal court today indicate that Hunter Biden, who, by the way, Regardless of of what side of the issue you're on, regardless of whether you're uh, a staunch defender of President Joe Biden or a staunch opponent of Joe Biden, I, I think the one thing that we should be able to agree on objectively is that the kid, Hunter, is a grifter. He, he's a kid who is as a young man who's um, done everything he possibly can to exploit the family name in an effort to enrich himself. And I, I think... You know, I understand that I understand that Joe Biden stands up for his kid. I get it. This is kid. But the kid's a grifter. So anyhow, here here's what's happened. He's tentatively agreed to plead guilty to two misdemeanor tax charges of failure to pay income tax in 2017 and 2018. Um, A court document says that in both those years, Biden was a resident of Washington, D.C., and received taxable income of more than $1.5 million. Let me let me stop there for a minute. Do you think, does anybody think that Hunter Biden would have had taxable income of over a million and a half dollars in 2017 and 2018 was his last were his last name, not Biden? And was his father at the time, at one point in time, not a other senator from Delaware or the vice president of the United States? And you got you got three answers to that question, and the first two don't count, because the answer is clearly no. There's no way that Hunter Biden would have gotten that kind of money were it not for the fact that he was trading on his family name. But like I say, he's a grifter. Anyhow, he received taxable income of more than $1.5 million, for which he owed more than $100,000 in income tax that he did not pay on time. Okay, that's that's the, the key. Subsequently, that money has been paid. So it's just he, he didn't pay it in a timely fashion, and failure to, like, file, that is a, a misdemeanor. They didn't go after him for tax fraud. Prosecutors plan to recommend a sentence of probation for those two counts. And again, he he eventually paid the IRS what what he owed and where he got the money to pay the back taxes is a whole nother story. But this isn't at least authorities have made the decision. that This is a failure to file case, which is a misdemeanor as opposed to a tax fraud case. The second court filing is about the gun charge. 
apparently um, there's going to be a pretrial diversion agreement. That's what I was talking about before, where you um, are not technically pleading guilty to the, the crime. You acknowledge that you are, in fact, guilty, but it's held open. Diversion in situations like this is something they typically do with um, nonviolent offenders with substance abuse problems. Uh, in all, prosecutors will rec- recommend two years of probation and diversion conditions. If Biden successfully meets the conditions of the diversion program, the gun charge would be removed from his record at the end of that period. The firearms uh, charge, apparently um, he, he, he was a crack cocaine user. And late 2018, he goes to buy a gun. He fills out paperwork denying using drugs or having a drug problem. And so theoretically, that exposed him to a potential charge of making a false statement on the document, as well as illegal gun possession once he acquired the weapon. He owned the gun for less than two weeks because his then-girlfriend threw it away, according to public accounts of that time period. So... um Biden's defenders argue that he's a recovering addict accused of relatively minor offenses, and they say he's being singled out because normally federal authorities wouldn't prosecute cases like this were it not for him being the president's son. Um, People following this say, well, they believe that this is just kind of the tip of the iceberg. I guess I'm going to try to look at this and, and be objective on it. The I think the kid is a grifter, as I've said before. I think the kid traded on his family's name. Having said all that, looking at at what these charges are, failure to file the tax returns, I, I don't think this is an unreasonable resolution of it, especially since he subsequently paid his back taxes plus plus penalties. Um, this is the way I think similar situations would, in fact, be resolved given that he paid the stuff back. To me, does this end the Hunter Biden inquiries? Well, that's kind of an open question because it it might be that there's more stuff that went on and it might be, I understand there's these questions about whether like some of the money he got on his like influence peddling stuff found its way to other family members. That's a fair inquiry. But if you're asking me, do I think this is a reasonable resolution of these particular charges? My answer is probably yes, and I know that doesn't satisfy everybody. Back with more in just a couple minutes. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So, Jessica, are you a dollar store shopper? I am not, no. You are not? Okay, just because... You don't like the stuff there, or because it's just never interested you? Or? Not, I don't think I've ever really needed anything from the dollar store, I guess. Or I forget, oh, you could probably get by that at the dollar store. I we don't know. need to I get really you know. out more. <laughs> we need to get you out more. Okay, so Jessica, not a dollar store shopper. Well, that's an interesting lead into what I want to talk about next because more and more people who you might not think are dollar store shoppers are dollar store shoppers. Story in the Wall Street Journal thing. Headline caught my attention. One percenters keep shopping at the dollar store. Wealthy consumers are scouring discount chain aisles for bargains. 
Um, there, there's a in-market, which is this outfit that tracks retailer foot traffic, measured a 4% increase in the shares of dollar store visits this year among those making more than $100,000 a year compared with the second half of 2022. Households with six-figure incomes are 15% more likely to say they would shop at dollar stores now than they were last June going from 39% to 45%, according to these surveys that are out there. Wealthy Americans have long viewed discount stores as not for them. However, one of the things that happened, Jessica, during the pandemic was people started to look and said, you know, we go into the grocery store and it's 8 bucks for a carton of eggs, and that's ridiculous, and we can go to the dollar store and we can get it for 4 bucks. So wealthy people didn't get wealthy by throwing away their money. See, so is it a lot of groceries, it sounds like, that people are, are looking at, or is it everything? Well, that's the question. Our number, 855-616-1620, which is the old National Bank talk and text line. So when you drive past that Dollar General or whatever the dollar store would be, and you see that Mercedes parked in the dollar store parking lot, the truth is more and more, quote-unquote, wealthier people, high-income earners, or et cetera, are patronizing those those stores. And I, I don't know if it's groceries or if it's just other stuff as well, but, you know, if you can go in and you can get the toothpaste or the deodorant or the shampoo or whatever it is, the toilet paper, whatever it is they're selling for less in the dollar store, are you surprised that people um, of, of larger means or at least larger income are starting to patronize that more? Now, I, I have to confess this is not a new phenomenon for me because I love the dollar store. My wife loves the dollar store. It is amazing the type of things that you can get at the dollar store. And one of the best things about going into the dollar store is, well, everything always used to be a dollar. Now it's like a dollar and a quarter, a dollar forty nine, but it's still the bargains are there to be had. Our number eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the old National Bank talk and text line. Okay, shoppers at dollar stores. Here is my question. Do you feel any stigma from going in there, or do you understand why more and more people are shopping there, and do you find yourself shopping there? 855-616-1620. We discuss. Don't go anywhere. Jeff Wagner is back right after this. Did you know just one blood donation can save up to three people's lives? Hi, WTMJ Sandy Max here. Please join me and our WTMJ Cares initiative to donate blood to those who need it the most. Join us on June 26th, 27th, and 28th as we partner with the American Red Cross and Gruber Law Offices for a blood drive at the Milwaukee County Zoo. Visit WTMJ.com or text BLOOD to 855-616-1620. You can make a difference with WTMJ Cares and me, Sandy Max. Hey, this is WTMJ's Jeff Wagner for the Freighter to the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network. Parkinson's disease affects around a million people in the U.S. and 15,000 in Wisconsin alone, with symptoms gradually worsening over time. We learned about who is affected, the signs and the symptoms, treatment options, and more from Dr. Karen Blindauer, a neurologist with the Freighter to the Medical College of Wisconsin's Health Network. Listen to that conversation and all our previous everyday health discussions simply by visiting the features drop-down menu at WTMJ. Quality furniture that lasts. The good stuff. And because it's good quality furniture, it won't be the least expensive. But if you compare our caliber of furniture and our prices to the other higher-end furniture stores throughout Greater Milwaukee, you'll find that Ken Michaels Furniture is truly priced at a value. It's the kind of furniture you won't regret buying. 
the good stuff at good prices. Furniture for life at Ken Michaels Furniture. In Brookfield, Greenfield, or downtown Milwaukee, browse our selection at KenMichaelsFurniture.com. At our stores, we don't have 500 in-stock mattresses. But the good news is you only need one. We make them one at a time just for you. You choose the firmness level, the type of filling materials you want, which could be cotton, wool, latex, or foam, and in three to five days, we deliver it to you fresh from our factory at a price that's hundreds less than premium national mattress brands. Milwaukee mattresses from Ken Michaels Furniture in Brookfield, Greenfield, or downtown Milwaukee, where no middleman needs no extra markup and real savings for you. Hey, Fleet Farm fans, you asked, we listened. You wanted lower prices? You got them. In-store, online. We drop prices everywhere. Lower prices on summer favorites like Liquid Pool Shock, Griller's Gold Barbecue Pellets, and Airhead Towables. Lower prices on big-name pet care like Purina Tidy Cats. Lower prices on Valvoline Motor Oils. All because you said so. Look for the bright green price drop signs to find new lower prices on everything you need for everyday life. Only at Fleet Farm. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff, my husband and I are in the category you're talking about. We make over $100,000 a year, and I've been going to the dollar store more and more over the years. Simple things like tissue paper. I can get a pack there for a buck twenty-five, and the same pack will cost me $5 at a local department store. And they have 50-cent Hallmark cards, and you can't beat them. Of course, I'll go to the Hallmark store and buy a 6 or $7 card for a special event, but I figure most people throw the cards away. Why would I spend more than 50 cents if I have that option? Besides candy and or snacks, I don't do any of my food shopping there because I'm not crazy about the brands, but overall, I think dollar stores are great. I, I think you know the the greeting cards and stuff. That's that's where my wife goes on a you know if I'm if I'm supposed to get the the card or something like that, I I tend to go to whatever's closest and more convenient. But she'll make a point saying, okay, we're going to need some. She sends out cards a lot for things. The dollar store is a great place to go. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let's start with uh, Pat in Thienesville. Pat, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I am well, thank you. Are you a dollar store shopper? I am a dollar store shopper, but it's just for specific items, and it has to be the Dollar Tree, not to be confused with all the other dollar-type stores that are out there, because the only one that's truly a dollar, well, a dollar twenty-five now is yeah. like the Dollar Tree. So, but yeah, bleach. If you, <laughs> I was just going to buy bleach. A gallon of bleach is a dollar twenty-five there, but like at the any anywhere else, it's like it's five or six dollars now for a gallon of bleach. It's crazy. So it. Uh, Storage bags and, and, and cards, greeting cards, definitely. Yeah. That's the big one. No, it, it's amazing. So, and, yeah. and sometimes snacks and stuff like that. And I don't know to the extent that there was a stigma. I think it's it's pretty much gone because I think that there's a lot of people of all income groups who, you know, once during the pandemic and stuff, it was like, okay, you know, wh- why do we spend $6 on bleach when you can get it for a buck and a quarter? It just doesn't make any sense. Well, yeah, and you never it, – it, it's great for impulse purchases, too. <laughs> hummingbird feeders and hummingbirds, that's like – it's amazing. But you never know what you're going to find there. That's the thing. Well, but there are certain things that are consistent, which is which is nice. Oh, absolutely. Now, thanks for the call, Pat. No, and it's, it's funny. You never know what you can find. You know, Target – years and years ago, Target used to be that way. Um, my late wife, when I would get on her nerves, which was probably like an alarming number of times, you know, I, I – 
she'd say, okay, take $20, go to Target. Now, this is back in, this is a long time ago, but but Target for a while was kind of like the, the modern-day equivalent of the dollar store because I could take $20, and I could wander up and down the aisles at, at Target, and, and I could find stuff. Oh, here's a Sam and Dave cassette, 99 cents. Here's a here's a, um, a tire gauge. I don't need a tire gauge necessarily, but you can never have too many tire gauges. And I, I could literally kill 30 minutes just and walking up and down the store looking for stuff. Dollar stores are kind of like that nowadays, too. There's all this stuff that's out there. Jeff, we shop at our local Dollar Tree every week. However, they now have three, four, and five dollar sections. Yeah, that's, um, that's inflation. Jeff, I love to go to the dollar store, but I always joke with my wife there's going to be a lawsuit against them because the dollar store now charges a buck 25 for most items. Um, but lawsuits do in fact happen. Jeff, I'm on vacation in places like Florida, etc. The dollar store saves us hundreds of dollars on everything from beach snacks, ice beer, and all the other consumables that arise. Um, yeah. Um, Jeff, I enjoy shopping at the dollar store for greeting cards. And party supplies, also travel-sized beauty items, certain food items I buy there often, picnic supplies, decor, it's all available, and it's a good um, bargain. Even Mylar balloons with messages on them. Yeah, matter of fact, we had um, one of my very closest friends is um, relocating, you know, leaving Wisconsin this week, as a matter of fact, and, and we had a, a going-away party for him last week, and my, my wife went out and bought these Mylar balloons that said, you know, miss you or something like that. And I, I think they came from a dollar store. Hope I'm not giving any way thing away. Uh, for me, it's definitely convenient. It's always a fun store to shop at. 855-616-1620. Peggy in Bayview. Peggy, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, yeah, I, I'm like others. I buy specific things in there, definitely cards. But what's nice is, the thank you cards come in packs of like six or eight for a buck and a quarter. And so I definitely do that. (laughs) I mean, why wouldn't you? And um, the balloons, of course, other people have said, but what we found with um, uh, my daughter's in a youth group, and a lot of times they do craft items. And a lot of craft items are vases, and that comes in really handy when you're trying to keep to a budget for the girls. Um, yeah, well, right. It's matter of fact, somebody was just texting saying they, they needed a, they needed a tablecloth, you know, for like a one-time sort of thing. They, they just like you're talking about the craft right. things. They ran in, found a, a perfectly serviceable tablecloth for a buck and a quarter, you know, used it for whatever party they were having, then tossed it out. Right. It's, I mean, why, why spend more than you have to, I guess is the bottom line. Absolutely. No, Thank you. thanks for the call. Works. Um, let's talk to, uh, let's see, Al and Nina. Al, you're on WTMJ. Thanks, Jeff. Hi, I love the dollar store. Yes, uh, my wife and I love going there. A lot of times it's just for cosmetics, whether it's uh, toothpaste, mouthwash, all that kind of stuff, deodorant. But sandwich bags, love the party section. Of course, seasonal is always handy, but cards. Number one is you buy every mm. card, whether it's graduation, birthday, sympathy, and we stock up. We yeah. get two or three, and we go through them all the time because we always need them. And as opposed to three ninety nine at a grocery store or wherever else, it's a buck and a quarter. Yeah, or or more than that. I um okay. I I I was I was assigned by my wife to go buy a a 
buy a, a card for a particular purpose in the last week or two. So I went to Walgreens just because it was on the way to where I was going, and I think the card I got was six ninety nine. It was a really nice card, but it was six ninety nine. <laughs> if, yeah, if I, if I, yeah, you're laughing at me, right? It means that this is God's way of telling you, you have too much money. If I had gone to that dollar store, I could have gotten the same card or something certainly suitable for less than a buck. I don't know what I was thinking, Al. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. Otherwise, two for a two for a buck and a quarter. It's amazing. Yeah. Great store. Love it. Uh, thanks for the call. Well, and 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 I guess the, the thing I find so interesting about this, and this is what they're they're pointing out in this story, is for the longest time there was some sort of stigma that was there, and that people with more means that don't, don't go to those, and and whatever stigma there once was, that appears to now be gone because well, well frankly, again, lots of people with means they they, they didn't ac- accumulate those means by not you know by by just throwing the money and a- away. Jeff, here's an interesting text. The dollar stores remind me of the old Zares and the old Treasure Island. You never know what you're going to find. I um. My first job in high school, I was, I must have been 16, so I was, I was like a junior in high school. My first job was at, there used to be a Treasure Island, used to be the, the J.C. Penney's discount store, and there was a Treasure Island store on Brown Deer Road and Highway 57, Green Bay Road in, in Brown Deer, and that was my first job. It was over Christmas time. I worked in the toy department. I've told this story before, and I was a stocker. And so, I mean, my job would be you, you'd go in and you'd um, like go to the loading dock and you'd have these skid loaders and you'd take like boxes and boxes of toys and you'd take them back to the toy department and you'd either put them on the shelves or, you, you know, you'd put them in the, the stock room for the, the toy department and then you'd put them out later on. So, but it was, you're right, the old Treasure Island, you never knew what you were going to find. Carol says, the Dollar Tree is the best Cindy says wrapping paper, gift bags, even large gift bags for like a bicycle, parchment paper for baking, aluminum foil for cooking. Yes, yes, we found that there is a love for the dollar or the dollar 25 cent stores. And if you do notice, hey, there, there's a Mercedes here, and there's a Beamer, and, and there's, there's an Audi, and there's, you know, there's a Lincoln. Huh, what's going on here? It's because, well, everybody is discovering the dollar stores and everybody is discovering a way to save money. Go figure. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. couple quick programming notes. Tomorrow there is an early Brewers game. So we're doing something a little bit different. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to do my show, which is only a half-hour show, 12 to 1230, but also I'm going to come in early. So I'm going to do the Scafidi show. So I am going to be on 9 o'clock in the morning till 1230. It's kind of like a throwback to years and years and years ago, where occasionally I would come in and I would do the morning shift as well. And this time it's kind of easier because it's only an extra half hour. And Steve will make it up to me sometime later on um, when I maybe he'll do that extra half hour so I can have the day off with some of the early Brewers games. But I'm going to be here from 9 until 1230 tomorrow. And it will be interesting because I'm trying to figure with all the road construction that we were just talking about, trying to figure out, okay, how early do I have to get up to get ready to do the show and then to get into work to make sure you are here at nine o'clock because that is as i always tell people one of the keys to life is showing up i mean as a matter of fact i think that's kind of like 80 percent of the game because you can't succeed unless you show up and there's so many people who just end up not showing up so and in radio 
Well, you, you got to be there because nine o'clock is going to roll around and the guys from Wisconsin's Morning News are going to head out the door and we don't want there to be dead air. So tune in tomorrow about nine oh eight or so. I will be here uh, until again about twelve thirty tomorrow, taking you up to the Brewers game. It'll be the third game in the series between the Brewers and uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks, who for everybody who thought the Diamondbacks were just kind of a, a walkover team, um, they're leading the National League West this year. It's been a really interesting year. The Brewers, are, of course, kind of spinning their wheels a little bit. But um, St. Louis Cardinals, I mean, just if not the worst record of the National League, one of the worst records in the National League. It's just been kind of interesting. The Arizona Diamondbacks that have historically been a either a bad team or kind of a mid-pack team, they're they're winning the NL West. You've got the Los Angeles Dodgers that have spent just a ton of money on their team, and they're they're kind of flirting with five hundred, sort of like the Brewers are, and they're in third place. You've got uh, the San Diego Padres who just spent a ton of money um, with one big time signing after another, and they're they're just kind of spinning their wheels as well. So it's a really interesting season um, in Major League Baseball. The Cincinnati Reds, who have been a perpetual doormats in the National League Central, they're ahead of the Brewers by a half game. They've won like nine games in a row. Pittsburgh, that has been an habitual doormat in the National League Central, they're right up there as well. They were in first place until the Brewers swept them over the weekend. It's just it's kind of an interesting season where, like, a lot of these expectations are kind of turned upside down. The other really interesting thing to me about the baseball season this year is the teams that have dumped all sorts of money, you know, the the big spenders, at least this far. And they're only like 70 games into the year. I, I understand it's a long season. You're not even at the midway point. So a lot of stuff can happen over and water does find its own level. So, you know, maybe it's going to be a completely different perspective, you know, when September and October roll around. But at this point in time, a lot of these teams that have just gone on huge spending sprees and, and dumped all this money into their payrolls, they're they're not necessarily seeing the results out of this. And I don't know if that's a, a trend that's going to continue. I mean, candidly, as somebody who's a fan of a small market team like Milwaukee, where they're never going to be able to generate the, the revenue from TV and from radio and things like that, that some like New York Yankees or the New York Mets or the Los Angeles Dodgers, they're never going to be able to generate the type of revenue from media that these other teams generate. But nevertheless, it is kind of encouraging to say that, well, maybe money doesn't always matter. Just saying. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back. So glad to have you with us. I was talking to an old friend of mine the other day, and we were talking about like the ways we used to spend our, our summers and, and things like that. And I, I, I grew up in an era where summers were not structured. And I'm talking about summers when you're um, not not when you're old enough to work, but, you know, younger than that. It, the idea was, you know, but I'm talking about maybe like grade school and middle school and maybe beginning of high school. But before you're really old enough to work other than cutting lawns or delivering papers back when we had, you know, people who actually delivered papers door to door and things like that. But it was back in the day, back in the day, you were responsible for 
making kind of making your own fun in, in, in many respects. And and maybe you played Little League Baseball if you were a guy or things like that, or, or maybe, you know, pick up basketball and stuff. But essentially, the way the way it worked is you wake up in the morning, you get on your bicycle, and you ride around the neighborhood, and you look to find, you know, other kids to do stuff with. And, and maybe that's, hey, we're going to go over to the field, and we're going to have a pickup basketball game or pickup baseball game. Or maybe we're going to grab our tennis rackets, and we're going to go over to courts and see if we can go, you know, play tennis back and forth. Or maybe if it's raining, you go over to somebody else's house, and, all right, you play board games or something like that. We used to you would essentially make your own fun, and then you'd kind of have your watch or whatever, and you'd see, okay, it's like 12 o'clock, I'm supposed to go home and get lunch, so you'd ride your bike over to your house, you'd have lunch, then you'd turn around, you'd come back, and you'd hook up with the same group of kids from the neighborhood, and you'd, again, find something to do, and then and then maybe, 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 on like special occasions, uh, you'd, you'd get together and you'd have, you know, one of the parents would drive everybody to, I don't know, the, the local golf course, the nine-hole golf course, and you'd play nine holes of golf, and then another parent would pick you up. Or or maybe, just maybe every once in a while. Now, I grew up um, about a mile away from what is now Bayshore Town Center, but at the time it was Bayshore Shopping Center. And, and maybe, you know, what you would do is you'd get on your bikes or you'd walk and you'd walk over and you'd kind of bum around, you know, the, the, the shopping center and stuff. Nobody had too much money in their wallet, but, you know, you, you'd wander around and maybe you'd have lunch or get a slice of pizza or whatever that was. But on, on a daily basis, you would be responsible for making your own fun and making your own entertainment. And sometimes... I can even remember sometimes there were days where you just didn't feel like doing anything. And so what I would do is either go out on the, the patio outside my parents' house or the house I grew up in or go out. We had a screened-in porch, and you'd sit, sit, sit there, and you'd, like, watch television um, or you'd, you'd read a book or read the newspaper or something. But you were responsible for making your own fun and largely entertaining yourself. Again, apart from Little League Baseball or, or whatever that might be. I was talking to another friend of mine in the last week or so who has younger children. And by younger children, I mean, this is the son of friends of mine. So this would be my friend's grandchildren, but I, they're, they're sons of friend of mine. And they, they, have, yeah, they have younger children. Now we're talking about six years old, eight years old, etc. And what they're telling me, they're exhausted absolutely exhausted during the summer because all they're doing, all mom and dad are doing, is running the kids to different events. Oh, we've got to take the kids to the pool here. Oh, the kids have, you know, tennis lessons. Oh, the kids have this camp. i got to drop them off there and pick them up. It's just nonstop programmed activities that occupy the, the kids' time from essentially the minute they get up, at least until after dinner, and sometimes past that. And I was talking to my friend who I said, matter of fact, the way this came up is I said, Hey, do you want to go? You want to go do something? You know, boom, here. And he said, Well, I can't. So we mean you, you, you can't. He said, Well, I can't because, you know, my, my daughter needs to be here, and then I got to drop her off at this, and then I've got to take my son to something, and then I got to pick up my daughter, and then I've got to run over and pick up my son. Then we got to take them both to swimming lessons or whatever. It's this completely programmed stuff every minute of every day during the summer. Our number is 855 616 1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. I, I, 
I, I think that these programmed activities are, are good. You know, don't, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, I think kids are, are missing something. If mom and dad are going to figure out, okay, we, we have to account for every moment of, of every day. Now, I understand the flip side is you just don't want the kids running the streets from 8 in the morning till 2 in the morning in the following night. Because as we frequently say, you know, nothing good happens on the mean streets of Milwaukee at that time. But, but the larger point is... You know, during summer, whether it's traveling around the neighborhood, hanging out with your friends, etc., it's by by completely programming these kids. I think I think we take something away. I think something is lost. Have you noticed this? And do you agree or disagree? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. We discuss in a moment. Jeff, as a clinician, I can tell you that there is clinical evidence of the neurological benefits of unstructured playtime for children. I purposely avoid scheduling activities for my kids over the summer to allow them to play backyard soccer games and to run through the sprinkler. Um, Jeff, my kids are five and seven. Programmed activities are good within reason. We do one sport at a time and are also getting into 4-H. But I want my kids to be kids. I feel like doing too much stuff leads to kids who will not be able to turn into grown-ups with a proper work-life balance. Huh. You know, that's um, interesting. Jeff, my daughter was a three-sport athlete in high school, but she refused to spend her summer in a gym. She was a camp counselor at a Y camp where she was outdoors all summer. She loved it, and she was never injured by overuse industries. Um, Yeah, Jeff, I remember my dad saying something similar to that years ago. He was commenting on summer programs at various athletic fields, swimming, etc. He said when he was a kid, he had to figure out his own summer entertainment without organized programs. Only difference is years ago, we rode our bikes or walked to the athletic field or beach. Well, yeah, and again, I'm not I'm not arguing that, you know, we, we shouldn't. You know, we, we shouldn't have the golf lessons or the tennis lessons or all this. I'm just saying that I, I think that this desire we feel that we have to occupy, you know, every kid, every moment of the day. I, I don't know that I necessarily think that thing is healthy. And when I think back, to be honest with you, when I think back to when I was a kid, some of my, my fondest memories aren't necessarily, hey, I, I took a tennis, you know, I, I took tennis lessons. Um, some of my fondest memories are, and I remember hanging out with the kids in the neighborhood and I can remember going over to the athletic field and putting down, you know, pulling apart the cardboard box and that was first base and on a different part was second base and third base and playing a pickup softball game or something like that. That was, those are some of the memories that really stick in my mind. John in Illinois. John, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff, I agree with every. Everything that uh, everybody else uh, posted there, uh, I totally agree. I, I fortunately grew up in a great town, uh, Monona, Wisconsin, which just is just a Shangri-La because you could ride your bike anywhere. And, uh, yeah, other than uh, Little League, which, again, we rode our bike down to the park, we'd ride our bike down to the park. My mom never got involved with our summers whatsoever. My dad was working, of course. And uh, but we would we would do all kinds of things, and we'd go find scrap lumber and make a tree house or, yeah. or do whatever. But the, the big thing that I think is lost here, when the parents are over involved and running their butts off, is the kids have lost all their creativity. They're expecting, Mom, what am I doing today? Yeah. Uh, what are we going to do today? What am I supposed to do tomorrow? 
Well, the kids have lost all their creativity. How about thinking about on your own and right. saying, hey, what are we going to do? Are we going to get a pickup game of kickball or, yeah. or whatever? Yeah, so or, or I think maybe. It's a shame that. Uh, yeah, no, I'm with you. Or maybe it's, you know, it's one of those deals where, okay, it's raining outside. What am I going to do? Well, okay, read a book or, you know, have a couple of your friends over and go into, you know, go downstairs in the, in the rec room or whatever and play a game of Monopoly or, or you know, fi- find a board game or something like that to, to do. Figure it out, you know, figure out how to entertain yourself. That's, I, but we don't, we don't do that anymore. We just simply say, okay, well, you know, if, if it's raining here, we're going to have to figure out what plan B or plan C is. And don't worry, I'll take care of it. And I, I just think you miss something when all that happens. The only organized event I can remember, remember uh, my buddies and my, and my mom being involved in, she'd take us to a movie once in a while. Yeah. And we'd go to, I remember watching Jaws and Star Wars. And, you know, when all those came out, my mom said, yeah, I'll take you to the movies. Yeah. Other than that, it was all on us. Yeah, no, I mean, I think they used to call, I mean, you know, you, you speak, you talk about going to the movies. Now, I can, I mean, I can remember it's one of the reasons I talk fondly about the old Northridge Shopping Center, because that was, um, you know, when I was like in middle school, early high school, before you could drive, I mean, that was, that was how you'd, you'd kill time. You'd say, okay, it's, it's a Saturday here. We're going to, somebody's going to, somebody's parents are going to take you out. Then you can hang out at Northridge during the day and you can, you can go to the movie theater if you want and you can eat at wherever that is and you can kind of wander around and kill time. And then they'll pick you back. Somebody else will pick you up at five o'clock and take everybody home. But it was this idea that, okay, you're, you're going to, you're going to make your own fun and you're going to figure out how to, to do that. Mike in Illinois. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? I'm good. What do you think? You know, I remember waking up after the last day of school and just feeling so good because I had nothing on my plate. I basically, you know, maybe I'd be involved in a sports program over the summer, sure. a sports league, but most of the time I was riding my bike, yep. hanging out at the pool, and I was very content. And um, I kind of let my daughter do her own thing, too. Um I didn't want it to be overly structured because you have enough structure during the school year. Yeah, exactly. No, my thanks for the call. And I mean, again, nobody's arguing that if, you know, you want to, you want to send your kid to, I don't know, a soccer camp or, or whatever, that there's anything wrong with that or, or have them take golf lessons or whatever the, the child's interest is. Or, and I mean, I think there, there's a, certainly a role for that. But what I'm talking about is this this every minute of every day. And actually, there's a piece in the New York Times. The headline is, let kids get bored. It's good for them. Um, you know, it's, it's a reminder to parents soldiering through the summer. Boredom has its virtues. And because, again, you, you teach people to be creative and you teach people how to, to fill out their time. Let's talk to Guy in Brookfield. Guy, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Well, yeah, I, I, I grew up in Chicago. Uh, and uh, we had uh, parks all over the place. Every, everybody rode their bikes uh, to the uh, ice skating rink, mm-hmm. the pool in summer, Little League Baseball. But then uh, after my dad had a great job uh, uh, and got us into Brookfield, uh, and I had kids, you don't ride bikes in Brookfield anymore. So you've got to get your kids involved, and you got to take them to the pool. You got to take them to little league practice, uh, where all that was uh, that that was all taken care of back in the day. Well, when you say kids don't yeah, ride so, their kids, you say kids don't ride their bikes in Brookfield. I mean, you you have neighborhoods in Brookfield. I mean, no, they you, don't. No, they don't. No, they don't. They don't. There's no neighborhoods you see, in Brookfield. You don't see any kid? Oh well, they got neighborhoods. 
Well, they're driving bikes, but they're not driving them to a a, a ballpark oh. or a pool. No, no, I, I or mean, ice skating. I, right, I guess. I mean, I, I guess. I, I mean, I understand, but that, that's that's kind of my that, that's sort of my point. And I guess all, all I'm saying is that all I'm saying is that there there's a value to look. And I I understand it's a different world. You don't stranger danger. No one kids get abducted and things like that. But but they do have neighborhoods, and you can ride your bike in a neighborhood. And if you're friends, you've got kids of the same age, um, and you've got friends who live, you know, a block away. You can walk over to their house, or you've got the 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 park that's a couple you know blocks away. You know, you you can go over and you can have a catch, or you can do whatever. I'm just saying that it doesn't always need to be structured, and you don't have to say okay. From eight till ten, you're going to be in tennis lessons, and then I'm going to pick you up at ten, and then at eleven o'clock we've got to go over because next you're going to have uh, we're going to be playing pickleball, and then you know you've got to be at the pool because you've got the swimming lessons. I'm just saying sometimes there's a value to letting kids be kids.